Beamer Tire and Auto Repair, now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. Joined by my man Hot Rod Funderburg here here on location at East Coast Wings in Kernersville. K Vegas is especially known to the locals getting ready to do the nest. Head coach Todd Willard from East Forsyth. Rod, what's going on, bro? I know hey, you're busy, man. Hey, what's up, Dez? It's always busy, man. Always something going on. You know, the temperature is cooling down. We had a beautiful day Friday, 80 degrees. Yeah, it's cooling a little bit. But yeah, everything is lovely, man. Just ready to talk some sports. It's that time of the year, you know? So I so I wanted to hit you up because one of the guys has been kind of sorted in the news uh the past week or so uh fan favorite of ours uh kevin durant who uh <laughs> cupcake <laughs> so so a lot of the buzz has been around uh the brooklyn nets basically trying to to assemble the avengers to it's perceived to go defeat lebron aka thanos over in the western conference right. by signing all these names i'm not so much uh in all of it, because Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge were bought out by their teams, which means their teams did not think they were good anymore. So, right. uh, and Blake Griffin actually said this on uh, on Tuesday, where he was like, "You know, it's crazy. I've been here for the past two years, and I'm not good anymore." And then I go and sign with the Nets, and everyone's like, "Oh no, that's not fair," or whatever. And he's like, "Which one is it?" So, I wanted to talk to you about this super team stuff that's happening in the NBA because everyone blames LeBron for it. And, like, every time I see somebody talking about this, they're like, well, LeBron started all this, LeBron did all this. And, I, and I'm trying to figure out, is he responsible for this? Like, should he get all the blame for what's happening right now in the NBA with, with guys trying to team up with each other? I mean, people can blame whoever they want. But, this, at the end of the day, you know it and I know it. In our everyday lives, in our sports lives, we're responsible for our own choices. LeBron James decided to make a choice to hook up and play with his friends at a certain time and point. Uh, being Chris Bosh and also Dwayne Wade. Right. So they're fr- they were friends. They wanted to play together. That's something that had never happened in the NBA before LeBron James had wanted to really just play with his true friends. LeBron James made that happen because that was something that he wanted to do. LeBron James has his life. He has his perspective of life. He knows what he wants to do in life. And because that was something he wanted to do, that was a challenge to him. So he said, you know what? I'm going to go forth with this challenge. I'm going to make this challenge legit. It's going to come true. It's going to be exactly what it is. And you know what it turned out to be? A few championship rings is what it turned out to be. And I don't remember anybody (laughs) complaining about it after Miami won the two championships. I don't really remember a whole lot of people getting into the, oh, well, he created this team. And he really didn't. It was Dwayne Wade was already there. Chris Bosh, they they were trying to go to Cleveland. That's where they, he wanted them to go. He wanted right. to stay in Cleveland, but they were like, we don't want to go to Cleveland. Which yeah, it's hard to me. get anybody to go to Cleveland. <laughs> right. and, and no disrespect to Cleveland. Cleveland, Miami. Cleveland, yeah. Miami. Like, I mean, come on. No state tax. It's Miami as opposed to Cleveland. I mean, uh, so, so with that, they still had to build a team around those three. 
And Pat Riley just basically picked scraps off the, the trash heap and put it around them the first couple of years uh, until they were able to get guys like Ray Allen, who basically took less money to come play with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think, has there been a superstar who has been as lucky as Kevin Durant in terms of teammates for his entire career? Because if you really look at who he has played with in his career, right. he starts off in Oklahoma City with James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Serge Ibaka. So out of those three, two guys are going to be future MVPs of the league. He leaves Oklahoma City, joins the team that just won 73 games the year prior and the, the – well, they didn't win the championship, but joins that team who his team had down 3-1 in those same playoffs. Sure did. That team had Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala. He leaves that team <laughs> after winning two titles, goes to Brooklyn. He's joined by Kyrie Irvin, who was there before him. They go get James Harden. Now they've got Blake Griffin, and they've got LaMarcus Aldridge. Plus, they already had guys on the team, Joe Harris. Like, I mean, the Nets are pretty stacked. Do you subscribe to this notion that uh, that they're too stacked, that, that this has gotten out of hand? Because they did everything the right way. These teams bought their contracts out. They were free agents. They could go wherever they wanted to. They decided to go to Brooklyn. Well, you said it. They can go wherever they want. They can do whatever they want because their contracts have been bought out. I do remember a team that was pretty stacked way back in the day who did not win a championship. It's one of your favorite teams. Who's that? Do I need to mention them? The Lakers. You oh, remember? Which they had the mailman. Oh, oh man. <laughs> do, do, do I need to go any further? No. They had they, Shaq. Do I, I, mean, I mean, and even with those guys, Carl Malone was like 39 or something right. when he joined. Car, Gary Payton was pretty – I mean, they both were the end of their rope. And right. even then – that team probably still would have won the title if it wasn't for Kobe and Shaq having issues, like right. you know what I mean, like off the court that had just built up to a crescendo at that point. Um, and even that, though, it's still not the same because the management put that team together. You know, it wasn't the players. Like the players were like, "Let's go get Carl Malone," and you know they didn't conspire. It was, right. it was, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Jerry West. Yeah, I mean, Jerry he's West. The one that put mm-hmm. it all together. See, I think that's my problem. I I saw people saying that. Well, Boston did this first with, you know, Kevin Garnett and uh, Ray Allen and, and Paul, Paul Pierce. Pierce. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, they didn't do that. Danny Ainge did that. Right. And Kevin McHale did right. that. Like, That's they right. conspired to get those players to Boston so Boston could win a ring. So, Kevin McHale sends Kevin Garnett off for pennies on the dollar pretty much to help Boston, which – right. I just finished watching the Lakers Celtics best of enemies thing again. You sound so like you I, I, was yeah, watching like, something with the Celtics. It's like or the in Lakers. my head, like really hard right now, because <laughs> I'm looking at both these teams in the '80s, and you could call the Lakers and the Celtics super teams in the '80s. Oh, of course. But those teams weren't built by the players. Like those they were players, built through the draft. Yes, they were built through the draft and and the upper management of of those teams. Mm-hmm. This is different. Ever since the Heat, it's like the players are building these teams, and if you've got the money as an owner. Like Brooklyn, if you, I mean, the guy's the Russian guy that owns him is a billionaire. Mm-hmm. If you got the money, then yeah, tell him to come on in. And I, I saw this earlier today. This is when it really started to bother me. Uh, a lot of people are starting to report that LeBron James is starting to recruit Steph Curry to come to the Lakers because after this year, Steph can re up his deal. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you feel about a Los Angeles Lakers team with Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James on it? I mean, any team with LeBron James on it, I am fine with because I just love LeBron James. And I love LeBron James not for his athletic ability on the court only, although he has a, he is a tremendous athlete. This guy can rise. This guy can shine. This guy can pass. He can do it all. He can shoot. I mean, and even more importantly, he's able to motivate his teammates, which is one of the hardest things to do in any kind of sport, is to motivate the people who are around you because that is what makes you an exceptional player when you can do that. But I'm going to tell you what, 
any team LeBron James is on, I have no issues with who's around him. I don't care who he brings or who he doesn't bring because at the end of the day, LeBron James is going to be somewhere near the finals, if yeah. not raising that chip up at the end. And that's what he does because he's determined, he's focused, he studies his craft, he takes care of his body. And I tell you what, man, I don't understand why people have issue with LeBron James. We hear all the time, all these athletes who are doing these great things, they got some kind of issues going on in the news. We got it right now with Deshaun Watson. Don't yep. know what's going on, but it's an issue. Yep. All these years with LeBron James, this guy, we've never heard any issues about him. Right. No issues with his wife. No he, arrests. He, no, no arrests. No, no issues with his kids. He's not beating anyone. He's not getting into trouble. No but, what, but what is he doing? <laughs> exactly. But what is he doing? He's donating money giving back building schools he's building schools he's yeah. sending kids to, uh, to college with playing full scholarships for them how many people are doing that people are not athletes are not doing that he's the only one out here doing that and when people say they don't like lebron james or can't stand lebron james i'm like good lord who is that person they need to look in the mirror because i'm <laughs> i want to know what kind of person they are yeah I, I agree with that i think a lot of times people take it out of context whenever uh the third member of our Rundown Wolfpack, Brandon Blakeney, is not here. and He's usually the, the biggest LeBron James defender out of the three of us. But that's usually – we're usually talking about LeBron on the court. Right. I, I will say off the court, LeBron is probably the biggest NBA star to do what the type of stuff he's doing off the court. Even, even Michael Jordan. Like, later on, Jordan started to, you know, do stuff now. And you really rarely even hear about it when he does it. Right. But LeBron does stuff big. And it's always, like, community-based stuff. Uh, he's always been one of my favorite players, um, but Steph Curry is one of those guys that I will, I will stop what I'm doing to watch him play. Like, if yeah. there's 10 guys on the court, I'm following him around because he runs. I don't know if you noticed, but he runs the whole game. Like, he's just running around trying oh, to get does. open. Uh, I thought I saw something where it said something like he uh, he runs on average like 10 miles a game or something crazy because he's just constantly running, running, running around. Oh, I believe it. And he'll be – Steph will be 32, I think, next year. So so here's my question. If you're Steph Curry, what do you do? Because do you stay with Golden State, the team that drafted you, that's been there for you, you've won three titles with them, uh, but your your running mate, Clay Thompson, has now suffered two injuries and basically will be missing two years, and you don't know what's coming back with him. Draymond Green was never somebody that could really – run with you as a partner to lead this team into the upper end of uh, of the Western Conference, do you stick around and see what Golden State does? Do you owe them that? Or do you move on, go to the Lakers, Los Angeles, it's a bigger market, you're beside LeBron James. When LeBron James retires, it's going to be you and Anthony Davis running the Lakers, basically. I mean, you'd be the face of the Lakers, and by default, the face of the, of the league, even though he kind of sort of is already, you'd be the de facto face of the league if you go to the Lakers. If you were Steph Curry and you've got LeBron in your ear going, hey, man, come to the Lakers. The Golden State thing's over. You don't know what's going to be Clay when he comes back. You, Draymond can't shoot. Come over here. It's me. I'm Thanos. Come. Come with me. You know? Like, would you take that? Would you go to L.A.? I mean, he's got to consider it. And the reason that he has to consider it is just for his legacy, his future legacy right now because like you said if he stays in golden state and no one comes along with him and golden state takes a nose dive mm -hmm. all he has is just the rings that he's left and maybe or the rings he's previously won and maybe and i mean maybe people will begin to say hey steph curry is still that dude and maybe steph curry will continue to play like steph curry plays and maybe 
they can get Golden State can get some players through the draft to join him. And all that is maybe. But when you mention a franchise like the Lakers, when LeBron James leaves, so what? It's the Lakers. Right. You understand what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying? It's, it's the Lakers. It took so them a little while. When I mean, you, it took them a minute, but a, they, they right. always come back around. That's right. So when you attach yourself to the Lakers, you have nothing but upside on your side. And everybody wants to be a Steph Curry. Steph Curry is taking regular guys like me who are only six foot two and thinking I can shoot a three point shot from way half change court the in game. the building and change the game. Change Steph Curry game. can shoot the ball anywhere he wants. He's got little kids doing the moves that he does. He's got little kids. Everybody wants to take threes and do whatever they can do behind that three point arc. That's all everybody wants to do. And why do they want to do that? Is because of Steph Curry. And not only that, Steph Curry can handle the rock. I don't care what you say. Don't get me wrong. I don't have a lot to say about our buddy Kyrie Irving uh, <laughs> up there with the Brooklyn Nets. But Kyrie Irving can handle the ball. He has handles. He oh, can. I mean, yes. he has moves. He has them. But Steph Curry is not far behind. And you're talking about a Steph Curry with handles running the general now, running the point guard for the Lakers. Oh, my God. Where does that put LeBron James? LeBron James can doesn't have to worry about touching the ball coming up the court anymore and now you got to worry about a LeBron James cutting and moving and setting picks oh man that's a whole nother beast in its own right there so okay so that brings me to my main question of this segment which I start I, I started thinking about Kevin Durant but now after you said all that now I got to include LeBron James in this too where would you put them in the the pantheon of like ranking players because they've basically went and teamed up with guys their whole career, whereas the guys that we consider the greatest, Michael Jordan, uh, Magic Johnson, Kareem, Larry Bird, those guys didn't go team up with guys on a whim like every four years and like group up with their friends and like tip the scales of like, uh, I don't even want to say fairness, but it, it's starting to get to that point where it's like, you, I'm trying to figure out a way to word this because <laughs> as a purist, I'm not very happy with what's starting to happen because it feels like it's going to get to the point where there's only like three or four teams that are really, really good that are stacked. With, it's going to be like baseball. Right. There's three or four right. teams that are stacked and, and no one else has anybody else. Every so, single year. So yeah. you already know it's going to be Lakers, Nets in the, in the finals. We kind of think that now. The only th reason why we don't know for sure is because AD and LeBron are both hurt and they might be a five seed or something by the time we get to the playoffs. Uh, but no one wants to bet against them if they're healthy. And then they just signed Andre Drummond. So it's like yeah, it's like a, a nuclear arms race going on in the NBA right now. And, and the uh, crazy thing with the Lakers is they don't even have the best management right now. I mean, to me – You don't like Rob Polinka? No, nah, uh-uh. But, um, <laughs> I mean, to me they don't have the best management. They just don't. You know, wait, El, a nor, wait a minute. Nor, hold on. Nor, Why don't you like Rob Polinka? Nor the best coaches. You know what I'm saying? What? I just, yeah, wait, I mean, hold on, man. Why don't, don't you like man. Rob Polinka? What Rob's okay, man. I mean, <laughs> Rob is that guy. Don't get me wrong. Rob's doing well. I mean, he's not doing bad. But I guess what I'm saying is well, he just won the title. He just won a title. I, I bet you I can win a title with LeBron James and eight and uh, AD on the, on my I team. Mean, he I bet to, you I can. He had to craft some guys around him. You know, the JaVale McGee. He got laughed at for signing JaVale McGee. Dwight Howard. That worked out. Uh, John Rondo. All you got to do is consult with LeBron James. <laughs> See, that's all you have to do. There it is. Because I, that's the thing I think <laughs> that drives me nuts the most is that people say that LeBron is this like uh, like uh, a GM, like wherever he goes. Now, I, I, I don't push back on the whole 
GM in Cleveland thing because we heard things about him in Cleveland, like uh, the management letting him and his whole posse get on the, the plane together and uh, he'd be late oh, his for Willis takeoffs. And handling Thompson's whole um, contract. Con- yeah, the whole Thompson nine. signed oh, to yeah. Rich Paul's agency and everything else. But in Miami, I'm about 100% certain he was not allowed to do that. Pat, Pat Riley didn't want any – parts of that I'm and sure, that's part of the reason why he left I think but and even with Pat Riley though Pat Riley was already the upper tier and upper echelon of management anyway you're talking about a guy who's already won five championships right you know what I I'm mean, saying his, I pitch, mean, his pitch meeting to LeBron was he threw his rings on the table in front of him that's and just what sat I'm saying. there in silence that's, right that's LeBron didn't have thuggish. any rings <laughs> that's, that's what thuggish. I'm saying so no LeBron but what did LeBron do you think he went to Miami and didn't learn anything from Pat Riley true I'm sure he learned a great deal. Matter of fact, I'm sure they still speak on the phone quite often. Now, I'm sure Pat Riley doesn't give him his innermost thoughts and secrets when it comes to management because they're still enemies in the in the nature of the game. But other than that, no. LeBron James learned how to put teams together. And then even on top of that, you got to learn who LeBron James can play with and make better as well because that's what he's going to do. And if there's a player out there who he can't play with, a.k.a. Kyrie Irving, who's an idiot, then <laughs> Kyrie left him. That's Remember? what I'm saying. Yeah. He's an idiot. He, he, Kyrie Irving's an idiot. We would have we would have had Cavs and uh, Warriors probably another two more times. Oh, easy. If, he, if Kyrie had just stayed. I mean, they had proven LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love was enough to get out of the East and uh, go to the finals. Now, would they have won it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, don't know. I, mean, I mean, we don't they know. They've seen the Warriors, yeah. Kevin, uh, the, Kevin uh, Durant, and all that stuff. I mean, they could have gone back and forth like Lakers, um, Celtics have. in the eighties. you never know. Exactly. Nobody knew that. Uh, no one expected Cleveland to win when they played them when they had the seventy-three win team, the seventy-three and nine Warriors team the year before Durant. They did, and they were down three-one. Nobody expected the the Cavs to win that, but they did. So I'm kind of like, I'm okay with super teams. It reminds me of uh, our friend Kyle Butler. He would always tell me that he doesn't like the NBA because it always feels predetermined, like who's going to be there. He was like, he doesn't want to see the same two teams in the finals every year. And I'm like, I don't care if it's the same two teams in the finals every year, regardless of the sport. If it's the Cowboys versus the the Steelers in the Super Bowl every year, that's fine as long as they're the two best teams. I want to see the two best teams go at it. That's right. And to me, the Cavs-Warriors thing was even better because they saw each other four times in a row. The Lakers and Celtics never even did that, like four times straight, you know. So – I, I thought it was a great rivalry. I'm a fan of super teams to an extent, but I'm more of a fan of the super teams that a team builds through the draft and stuff. So, in a way, Golden State is kind of in that mold because Draymond was drafted, Steph was drafted, right. Clay was drafted. Uh, Durant was really the only piece that they really brought in that was a big deal. Well, it was kind of like Draymond Green told um, Kevin Durant anyway, we won this thing without you. Right. Yeah, you know. and he told him in the middle of the game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we won it without you, and we can win another one without you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then what did Durant do? He just he, he, he turned, turned into a cupcake yeah. and left. That's what cupcakes do; they leave. <laughs> I mean, do you think that they are the favorites to win? Do you think you talking about are, Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, no, uh uh-uh. uh Who do you guys the favorites? Oh, right there's the, to me, there's the, wherever LeBron is. So okay, so it is the uh, the Lakers. The Lakers yeah, yeah, I'm, wherever LeBron is. I'm not sure. Because I didn't think Kyrie and James Harden would work together, but they seem like they're working together really well. But people got to keep in mind, Kevin Durant ain't played in, like, what, going on a month or something, maybe longer mm-hmm. than that, with the hamstring. I'm starting to wonder if they're bringing in all these names because Durant's injury is worse than what they're letting on or Durant's having some kind of mental thing going on with the leg issue, well, which you I know, can understand. We felt like he would never be the same anyway, whether it's mentally or physically. Yeah, this is a hamstring, so it's a leg. I don't know if it's right. the same leg, but – 
Yeah, for a shooter especially, you kind of need your legs. I mean, you just need them. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. no way around it. Like, especially if they start going, and if you start having, like, doubts, like, in your head about, you know, if I jump, is this going to happen? If I run or plant, is this going to happen? I mean, that, you're halfway home to it being a wrap at that yeah, point. Yeah, it's over. So, I don't know. Are, do they have enough to get to the finals without Durant? Because they've been playing without him for a month. Well, I mean, based upon the names that you called out, they have more <laughs> than enough to get to the finals. If it's 2017, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, like Blake Griffin, LaBarcus Arnold. I mean, this is like the Western Conference All-Star starters from 2016 or whatever. So, I mean. I mean, I, they, they've got enough based on those names, but they have to get past those Philadelphia 76ers. Ooh, and they're, they're missing Embiid. I don't know if he's back yet, I don't believe. Yeah, so, I'm not yeah. sure. And Doc Rivers has, has – Improved that team he tremendously. Has. Shout out to Doc. People don't give Doc enough credit. He's they do a not. Really good coach. Um, I would. Keep and an you know when he only. came in, you know what Doc focused on when he came in? What he focused on them playing better defense. Yes, which they need to do. And and telling Joel Embiid, get down in the paint. That's what are you right. Doing? You're seven feet tall. Get down in the paint. That's get right. Down there. So he's been down in there more bullying people. I That's mean, right. He could be the best center in the league if he tries. So he was in the MVP conversation at the beginning of the season. Now I think it's kind of drifted off to. Hell, James Harden said it should be him. Like, literally said it. Like, I'm the MVP. <laughs> well, when, like, what year does James Harden not say he's the MVP? I got to admit, man, I, I'm maybe Houston, James Harden, maybe we were a little too hard on him because he hasn't played like that in, in Brooklyn. He's actually passing the ball. He's a facilitator. He's running their offense. And then when they need buckets, he goes and gets it. Like, I think we were distracted by the whole dribble, 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 shoot James Harden in Houston, maybe because he didn't trust his teammates. Like, he didn't have guys. Obviously, he he didn't. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, like Chris Paul and and then Russell Westbrook, like, after that. But in Brooklyn, it's like a totally different guy. So, I don't know. I I, I don't know. But we're going to see because we still got a half of uh, basketball to go. We didn't even talk about our Charlotte Hornets. So No, we didn't. And you mentioned Russell Westbrook, and I got to say this. This dude had a triple-double with 24 assists in the mix. (laughs) Did you not see that? I was like, you play for the Wizards now. Who are you dropping these assists to? (laughs) And I'm talking about his assists were like three-point shots. (laughs) I mean, it was crazy. I wanted Russ in Charlotte. I wanted Russ to come to Charlotte. People got scared off by the money, and they were like, no, no, no. I'm glad it worked out the way it did, I'd rather have LaMelo for the next 10 years than uh, Russell Westbrook for the next four right. at $240 million or whatever he's owed. But right. um, we'll, we'll get into the horns a little bit later on in the week. we got to take a quick break, but we'll be back in a little bit. Franchise players, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Welcome back to Franchise Players. I am your host, Desmond Johnson. Franchise Players brought to you by Beamer Tire and Auto. Um, these uh, different segments, guests, features, things that you hear every morning, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Uh, on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, brought to you by the Beamer Tire and Auto Repair Centers, now in three locations across the triad, Greensboro, High Point, and their new location in Kernersville. Stop by for a full-service car repair, oil change, tires, and more. Beamer Tire and Auto, they care because they know you can go anywhere a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. On the line with me right now from The Athletic, Brendan Marks. Uh, welcome, sir. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. 
I'm almost scared to ask you, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to dive in with it. Uh, first off, any new news to report in terms of kids entering the transfer portal from Carolina or Duke? Uh, not, nothing new so far as of us recording this. Um, but, you know, I, I think that those are still decisions, especially as far as North Carolina is concerned. Uh, you know, those are things that you're going to continue to see. And, um, you know, I, I think some of these decisions have been made, obviously, but there's still some more to be had. And uh, there's there's a lot of factors that go into it. Guys are meeting with the coaches. They're meeting with their parents. They're meeting with their families at large. They're uh, looking to the NBA for evaluations and feedback. So uh, there's a lot of cogs and wheels and everything still in motion but no as of right now at this very moment uh nothing nothing else new that we can <laughs> solidly report so do you expect more let's start in durham with duke do you expect more from this current roster uh at duke to enter like uh like jamin breakfield did last week what was Brakefield's situation just basically him looking forward and counting minutes and realizing you know my role might be reduced here next year uh by seeing who's coming in like paulo blanchero and these guys do you think it was a situation like that, or do you think it was something something else in terms of the dynamic of the Duke team this year and Brakeville just wanted a different uh, a change of scenery, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you're sort of looking at the minutes crunch, like obviously Brakefield, I would say, didn't see the, the percentage of minutes he would have liked to have seen. I mean, um, this is a guy who only saw about 28% of the minutes this year, which is you know sort of comparable with uh, a Joey Baker, even a Jalen Johnson, uh, you know, he obviously didn't even play the full season, but their their percentage of share of total minutes was about equal per Ken Palm. And so, yeah, I think, you know, you start looking ahead and this is a guy who in theory could have fit at the three, could have fit at the four. Um, and those are positions where, where Duke does have other guys. You know, you talk about Paolo Banchero coming in, AJ Griffin coming in, um, Mark Williams in theory being back. I, I wouldn't expect that Matthew Hurt would be, but uh, Henry Coleman being back. So, so that's a lot of guys. That's a lot of numbers. It's a lot of figures. Wendell Moore can play some small ball four. So um, certainly I, I think it was probably more of a minutes crunch looking at opportunity. Breakfield is still a really, really exciting and intriguing prospect to me. Um, he's going to have a long, long list of suitors, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's endemic of anything that's wrong with Duke necessarily. This is just sort of the way college basketball is going to go these days. I keep hearing Matthew hurt. Um, and the more I think about it, I started thinking, where is he going to go? Because I don't think he can go pro uh, after last year. I think he's a little too slow in defense to to really guard in the NBA. But I do understand the logic of, you know, maybe he's plateaued as a scorer for Coach K in this Duke offense. Do you, do you really – how do you feel looking at it right now? Do you feel that Hurt may return uh, next year? Or do you think he might enter the transfer portal? Like, what do you, what is your – your, your, your bead on Matthew Hurt right now, what do you think would be the best option for him? Yeah, I, I feel pretty confident in the fact that Matthew Hurt is ultimately going to declare for the NBA draft. Um, I feel pretty pretty secure in saying that. Uh, and I also would say that that is most definitely the best option for him. I would, I'd actually push back and disagree a little bit with you, Des. You know, I, I think when you're talking about the NBA game, are there vulnerabilities to, to Hurts' game? Absolutely. Is he um, absolutely lights out defensively? No. Is he a little bit slower with his foot speed? Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, you look at the growth from year one to year two, you look at the weight that he put on, and also just strictly offensively, you're talking out about a guy who is 6'9", uh, with a shot that is basically unblockable with where his release point is. He got it so much quicker this year. And NBA teams that I've talked to, at least, they see him as a legitimate 40-plus percent three-point shooter. And regardless of what you do defensively, offensively, there's a value in that. Yeah. There's a need for that. <laughs> that <laughs> you know answer what? my question right there. Right. <laughs> especially, especially with the way that the league is trending these days. I, I just don't see a situation where him coming back to Duke 
uh, fighting for minutes with a guy like you mentioned, uh, uh, Banchero or uh, Mark Williams or AJ Griffin or any of those guys. Like there's, there's not really anything for him to gain by coming back, going somewhere else, I think also would not do him any good. So, um, I, you know, I, I think if you're Matthew Hurt, you capitalize on, on the best college season you had. Um, you know, you sort of have to stomach the fact that you play two seasons at Duke and you don't get a single NCAA tournament game, which is crazy to think about. Um, but no, I, I would be very surprised if anything happened with him other than him declaring for the NBA draft. Follow his work at The Athletic. Got uh, UNC and Duke beat writer Brendan Marks on the line with us uh, this morning for franchise players. Talking a little Duke and Carolina uh, basketball currently now. Uh, Brendan, during the Arkansas Baylor Elite Eight game, stadium basketball college insider Jeff Goodman tweeted that Duke assistant coach Nate James is actually a leading candidate for the head coaching gig at Austin P. James is K's top recruiter at the moment. Uh, it, if, it seems as if he's kind of taken over the role that was vacated by Jeff Capel when he left uh, to take the pit job. Uh, assistant coach John Shire has also been mentioned for various coaching op- uh, openings uh, in this offseason. How much do you think Kay has leaned on his assistants in the past few years compared to, you know, 10 or 15 years ago? Um, and how big of a change would it be if James and or Shire actually end up leaving Duke? Yeah, I, you know, you look at where Duke has come and, and the various assistants that Kay's had over his time. And obviously, under him, especially of late, it's it's been about keeping it in the family. You know, having these former players uh, who are relatable, being able to come back, and and for for these college kids to be able to look and say, oh, listen, you know, this is a, someone like a Nate James or a Chris Carowell or a John Shire. These are guys who, and and you know, we're talking about potential replacements if there were to be an opening on his staff, a guy like Nolan Smith. You know, these are guys who stuck around college, did it for a couple of years, and and know how to have success at that level. Even the way the game has changed. These are guys that you can look to and point to. And, and I think that that will continue to be a priority regardless of, you know, what ultimately happens with Nate or, um, you know, I, I'm not sure if Coach Shire will or will not have an opportunity this offseason to take a job. The thing about, you know, Shire as well, I mean, he's in a little bit different situation than Nate James is, but he's he's with his youth, with his age, he's he's got a lot of time ahead of him trying to, be picky. You know, he can afford to be picky with this job. He can afford to say, I do or do not want this. You know, for example, I think a lot of people mentioned him with Boston College. That's a brutal job. And I, you know, from what I can gather, that's not something he would have been interested in pursuing. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what will ultimately happen with Nate. You know, if that opportunity is there. It's it's hard for Coach Gay to say no, and he's not a guy who's going to do that. Um but at the same time, you know, he, he's going to continue to elevate these guys. Nolan Smith is next in line. Um, you know, Shire can recruit. Carroll is a great recruiter. Um, Nolan is is a rising star in the coaching world and the recruiting world. So, you know, Duke's going to be fine regardless. But certainly it would be a blow to lose Nate. He is uh, he, he is Duke's resident big man whisperer, if you will. Uh, sorry, I have to apologize there a little bit. My, my dog heard someone at the door and uh, we're, you're good. we're still in the COVID world. <laughs> so she kind of loses it whenever someone knocks on the door. Um, <laughs> Brendan Marks along with us from the uh, the Athletic. Let's go eight miles up the road to Chapel Hill. Last Friday, freshman point guard Caleb Love announced he would return for his sophomore year almost in a nighttime drop uh, Friday night, almost like a news drop. They just kind of got it out there at the end of the week, uh, right before the weekend started. Uh, in your mind, uh, Brendan, would it be better for Roy to continue to play love at point guard or to move him over to shooting guard, which seems like his more natural position, and then allow someone like R.J. Davis to run the point next year? Yeah, it's hard to say right now, honestly, because the team and the roster are still so much in flux. And and here's what I'll say. I think that Caleb can be a successful college-level point guard, and 
every single point guard that Roy Williams has had at North Carolina, every single one who has played for him for multiple seasons has seen their efficiency and specifically their effective field goal percentage rise from year one to year two, every single one to a T and, and they've done so at different rates. You know, Ty Lawson obviously had less room for improvement than some others did. Um, but that, that fact still holds true. So I, I don't think there is a situation or a world out there in which Caleb Love does not get significantly, significantly better and more efficient in particular going from this season to the next. That said, depending on who UNC is able to bring in in the transfer portal, depending on uh, who you see come in, who, who you see become available, obviously guys are going in the portal, you know, basically one every minute now it feels like. Um if UNC is able to get some other smaller guards in there, you know, a guy who who I really like a lot and think would be a great fit is Jalen Cohn coming from Virginia Tech. He's from right outside yes. of Winston. Walkertown um, right up the way here, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think he'd be a great fit at UNC. I know there's some interest there. Uh, if that comes to pass, then I think you are looking at a situation in theory where Caleb can play a little bit more off the ball. And and let me just say as well, in UNC's system, the two and the three basically do the same things. They're, they're not – they matter more defensively than in terms of offensive differentiation because on offense they're being asked to run to the wings and do the same thing in the Carolina break. Um, but no, you know, I think Caleb does have the length and defensive capacity where he can defend off ball. So yes, again, depending on, it, it depends on who comes in, depends on who goes out. Um, but I can see a situation where he ends up playing both spots for UNC next year, just, just depending on how the roster eventually falls. What are your thoughts as of today on our, the situation with Armando Baycott and Garrison Brooks? Uh, should we read anything into the fact that they still haven't announced their decisions yet with us being, you know, over a week past uh, the end of Carolina season? Or, or is that just something natural and they're going to take their time to make these decisions before uh, announcing it to the public? Which one, which one of the two are, are more likely to stick around in your opinion? Yeah, I, I think of the two, uh, it's much more likely that Armando Baycott sticks around and by by a not insignificant margin. I mean, I think that um, obviously Armando was a guy who entered college as a potential one and done prospect. I think that's, um, you know, somewhat admittedly how he saw himself. Uh, and at the same time, you know, that clearly didn't pan out after last season. And the way that he plays, I'm, I'm not so sure that that really translates to what the NBA is looking for right now. Whereas if he stays at North Carolina, knowing already that Walker Kessler and Dayron Sharp and Sterling Manley are gone, knowing that potentially Garrison Brooks could also be on his way out. Um, you know, obviously that would leave a tremendous role for Armando at UNC. And, and, you know, he was already UNC's leading scorer this year, but the opportunity would only grow next season. So I, I think ultimately, you know, if I had to say today, I, I, feel decently confident in saying that I don't think Garrison Brooks will be back with UNC. I think he'll have other opportunities and um, I think it'll just be better for player and for program for them to sort of go their separate ways. Uh, but Armando, I, I would be surprised still if he ended up leaving, but again, you know, uh, player empowerment, that's, that's going to be player empowerment, player movement. That's going to be the theme of the off season uh, with Armando Baycott and, and really with just about everyone else in all of college basketball. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, we had David Glenn on uh, the show yesterday and this situation, well, this topic popped up and we both were kind of in agreement that, you, you know, when you're in college, you get to senior year, you've been there four years, you may have loved it, or you may have hated it. But usually by the time you get to the end of those four years, you're kind of ready for the next thing. Like, you you know, you're just kind of naturally ready to move on to the next thing. And with Garrison, it, it almost does feel like he's kind of hit a ceiling in terms of what he can be at Carolina. And I think me and you have talked about this before. I don't know if he would, you know, have a career in the NBA, but I definitely think he could have a decade-long career overseas with his game. So 
uh, I do think he'd have an opportunity to, you know, make a living for himself playing basketball uh, going forward. And I agree with you with the Armando uh, thing, with all of the defections in the post uh, in the post for Carolina. I could see Armando. I mean, he averaged what, like 12, 13 points a game this past year. I could see him easily increase that to 18, 19 points a game and be like the focal point uh, for them. But I'm so used to seeing Carolina with two bigs. So I'm, I don't know how it would work with just Armando down there with no one to really spell him, uh, no one to kind of take the weight off of him. Um, so we'll kind of see what happens uh, with that here because uh, that could literally drop at any moment, uh, one of them announcing what they're going to do. This uh, this transfer portal is causing havoc across college basketball right <laughs> now. Um, how big of a fan are you of the transfer portal itself? I know it's a it's a one-time thing. But it's almost making it, it feels like it's making it where kids can actually uh, elect to like do it like Miami Heat style and like group up together and go to places. Have you been hearing any rumblings of things like that? Like uh, a player from one school, another player from another school, their friends, they both decide to go in the portal. They end up making it a package deal and going someplace together. Does that worry you or bother you about uh, college sports with this happening this year? And are you worried that they might make the transfer portal uh, more permanent than it actually is currently? Well, you know, it is going to be permanent. And I, I know we're talking about the, the, the situation this year is so complicated because it's a combination of A, the expected passage of the one-time transfer rule and B, the extra COVID year of eligibility for a lot of these guys. So we are seeing more availability than we would have seen any other time previously, you know, a guy like Garrison Brooks previously, that's, this is not even a conversation we're having, right? Like yeah, he's, he's gone. gone. I, yeah. right, <laughs> I, you know, a guy like uh, Braxton Beverly, a guy like Jordan Goldwire, just to keep it locally, like all of mm-hmm. these guys, like we're, that's not even a conversation we're having. So the, the fact that this extra COVID year has come into play, that has meant that the portal is just teeming. But the fact of the matter is this is once this rule passes, this is going to become the, the new standard of college basketball until uh, until NBA, you know, rules change and guys are allowed to go straight from high school. I mean, this is going to be the most significant piece of legislation in college basketball history. Really, I, I, I know that sounds extreme, but it's going to be. And Roy yeah. Williams said as much this season. But guys are going to have the freedom to do what they want. And previously, if you were someone who came in as a freshman, struggled, maybe you get homesick, maybe you hate it, whatever. Normally, that there that is that barrier to leaving. It's that year of sitting out. It's uh, not being able to play for a year, not knowing how you're going to be integrated. All those things that doesn't exist anymore. So I, I I don't have a problem with it though. And anyway, to answer to answer the other half of your question, I think that um, you know if if guys want to go where they want to go, if they want to have that freedom of movement, you know they should absolutely be allowed to. Um, coaches have always been able to do the same thing, and, and players have always been a little bit more restricted. And um, you know as we have seen at the professional level, we're now seeing at the college level where guys are empowered to take these decisions into your own in their own hands. And um, you know, as far as this looking like free agency and guys teaming up or joining up, you know, it happens. And and I don't really see a problem with it. I mean, I know one example that um, I've mentioned and, and that I think, you know, we might still see play out here is uh, talking about Walker Kessler. You know, Walker mm-hmm. Kessler is is good friends from high school with Justin Powell, who's the, the transfer freshman guard at Auburn. Um, could they potentially be a package deal? I think that's something that very much is still in the cards. Uh, and obviously any school that got that pair of guys would be very, very happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the same, you know, at the same time, you're, you're not just talking about friends. I mean, you're talking about family and this is um, a little less public case, but 
you know, a guy like Tanner Groves, you know, he was the, uh, the Dwight Schrute lookalike from Eastern Washington who poured in, <laughs> poured in 35 against Kansas in the NCAA tournament. He's available. Obviously teams are going to be interested in him, but uh, so is his younger brother, Jacob. So potentially is that a package deal? So you're not just talking about friends. You're talking about family. Um, there's, there's a lot of guys who haven't announced yet that are still going to go in the pool. Um, but, but this is a thing, this transfer portal, it is going to fundamentally change the way that college basketball teams recruit, the way that they look at roster construction. Um, it, it's going to change everything. And, and we are far, far from seeing the end of entries into the portal. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if we see another couple hundred guys enter their names in. They're, they're entering them as we speak. I, I don't know if you can confirm or deny this, but we'll, we'll actually end on this. For Carolina fans that are out there that are worried about the nightmare scenario of Walker Kessler uh, putting on the Duke blue eight miles up the road. From my understanding, Duke and Kentucky have reached out to Walker Kessler, but there seems to be no interest from his camp in terms of going to either one of those schools. Can you verify that? Um, I, I can't, I can't speak on the Duke situation, but I, I do know that Kentucky is, is certainly, uh, the, the interest is there on the Kentucky half. You know, they have reached out to Walker. Um, again, obviously they, they, I just mentioned Walker and Justin Powell are friends, uh, would like to play together. Potentially Kentucky's very hot on Justin Powell. Obviously the, the Wildcats yeah. need a lot of guard help, even with getting Kellen Grady this week. Um, they still need more guys. So, uh, I think if Justin is there, you know, potentially that switches things, but no, I, I think, you know, Walker is such a talented guy that him going to a place like Duke, I don't really see that making sense for him. He's he's not going to see the playing time or the role that he would at another place. And, um, you know, just, just personally as a fan of good basketball, as a fan of Walker, he was always great with us this year. You know, I wish him nothing but the best. I'd love to see how he does at Gonzaga. I think that, um, you know, the, the player development system that Mark Few has there, the way that they integrate different offensive concepts from Europe, it's it's very modern. Um, I think that Walker's skill set would mesh really well with what Gonzaga does. So that's, that's you know, if I could pick a place for him just objectively as a college basketball fan, I'd like to see that. Um, but no, you know, this is, like I said, a lot of these teams, they, they have no idea where they stand in roster construction. Guys are going in the portal every day. They're going to continue to do this. This is, this is an issue that's not going to be resolved until we get midway through the summer. You can uh, follow Brendan's work at The Athletic. Go follow them on Twitter, uh, the beat writer for North Carolina and Duke uh, football, basketball, and more. Brendan, appreciate you coming on this morning, man. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Coming up next after the break, Rod will join me and we will talk a little NFL and just kind of get around everything uh, that's going on in your world of sports on this uh, beautiful Wednesday. You're listening to the Franchise Players on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com.